title today is Love Makes a Way, which if you go to visit some of your, your friends who attend in other traditions because it's easier for them to worship their traditions and they really, really appreciate it, and they say, hey, that was the title of our sermon or our homily. Yeah, I know. I'm aware. Because this is what we've come to this year in the fourth week of Advent, as we gather together and get all of our, our resources together as Christians in the 21st century, Joseph is an example of how love makes a way. It's the fourth week of Advent, and we so want to jump to Christmas, and we so want to celebrate, unless you haven't finished Christmas shopping, sorry for you. But in Christian tradition, we have discovered through the years that we needed this time to prepare for Christmas so that we could embrace this tradition that was started so much longer after what we know as the Bible came together. But Matthew writes in his gospel, writing to people who come from Jewish culture, and he's trying to describe to them this Jesus who's lived and died and rose from the dead. And he starts off his gospel and what we know is Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, which I'll read in my one-year Bible January 1st. Big surprise there. The first 17 verses or so, they really aren't very exciting to me. In case you're unfamiliar, that is the genealogy where so-and-so begat so-and-so. And if you learn it in King James, it's really, really exciting to read. Okay. For those of you wondering about he doesn't like the Bible, it's fully inspired. And if, I had been, if that had been written to me in the first century, I would have thought it was the greatest thing ever written. It's not going to be very edifying for me when I read it on Matthew, read it on January 1st. But fortunately, in my reading on January 1st, I get the rest of the story. Matthew finishes his genealogy, verses 16 and 17, with this man named Joseph. You may have heard of him. We know him as Mary's husband. We know him as the person that the skit guys just represented for us. And Matthew, in what we know is chapter 1, verse 18, we read these words. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Now, if you were writing a gospel, a good news, a historical presentation of the good news, this is the perfect way to start. Those of you who are far better in the humanities, far better in writing, far better in, in your three-point essays, and all the students here are rolling their eyes right now. This is like saying, this is my thesis statement, pay attention. So those of you who had parents who maybe had certain phrases and you knew if they said these phrases, you better pay attention. Or if you had a parent who counted, one, two, that's what Matthew's doing. Matthew right now is saying, you need to pay attention right now because what I'm going to tell you is going to change your world forever. And we read the words, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. And this is where the Joseph thing becomes confusing. As I was reminded today by someone in, one in their worship experience, if I say to you, Who's the mother of Jesus? No matter where you are, no matter what culture you're in, no matter what language you speak, they know Mary. If I go to those other cultures and ask them, who's Mary's husband? Uh, 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 you might get an answer. 
we don't know a lot about this Joseph guy. We know that he was a carpenter who ironically probably didn't work with wood, probably worked with something else. That makes it confusing and makes a lot of our traditional carpenter analogies confusing, but that's what they would have thought. And we know he worked hard. And we know he's in a period of time known as betrothment, which is code word for, and I've written this very carefully, it was a special engagement period. According to Jewish scholars, they were considered married, except in one way that might lead to babies. For example, everything was like that. But Joseph, have you ever watched a Christmas pageant with Joseph? And not how much how many lines does Joseph get in the Christmas pageant? <laughs> not too many. In the Gospels, he gets none. He doesn't get to talk. Please insert whatever joke you want to about marriage. He doesn't get to talk. Nothing. This is how I kind of visualize it with the help of Brett Younger, who, by the way, if you're here next week, will be a significant portion of next week's sermon, so just so you know. Brett Younger, who's a talented preaching professor and a sometimes comedian that even has appeared in the Second City, Second City in Chicago. He describes it this way. Poor Joseph. After several months, and I do mean painstaking months, of pretending like he cared about china patterns or the bridesmaid's dresses, he has figured out what the role of the husband-to-be is. It's to say yes, dear. Especially to the mother-in-law. The rabbi and the organist have been selected. The flowers have been ordered. Planning for the bachelor party has surreptitiously... I knew I couldn't say that with my southern accent... It's sneakily been decided how it's going to be done. Everything is going exactly the way his culture told him to be for him to be a good member of his culture until Joseph learns the unthinkable. Matthew writes it this way. But before they came together, don't you like the way we translate that English phrase? Before they came together, she was found to marry. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. The ultimate plot twist. And if you were here last week, Matthew is not trying to tell a story that's pretty. Matthew is happy to get details that even make Jesus look bad. And why do we do this? Because it's true. For example, why does Matthew even tell us this? It's not important for his audience he's writing to. He tells us this because it's true. Poor Joseph. His life's in shambles, his trust betrayed, his future undone, his insides are torn up. He isn't responsible for Mary's unplanned, unforgivable, indefensible, inexcusable pregnancy. Yeah, I got a little carried away on Monday, sorry. Joseph's personal dreams have been shattered. You can visualize Joseph being hurt and wounded. He wants to ask Mary, how did this happen? But he really doesn't want to know. And he doesn't want to go back to work and hear his buddy say, Joseph, you sly dog. Joseph decides to break off the engagement quietly, which is very important for Matthew's narrative. Probably why he was chosen. Yeah, Joseph hears the quiet talking at the beauty parlor and the wondering about Joseph. Joseph knows he honored his true love weight pledge. But he's really confused. What you know is verse 19 of Matthew chapter 1 reads, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law 
and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph has begun making arrangements to end the betrothment, end the engagement, which would not have been as a simple process. This was an incredible legal process. I would like you to visualize that you have suddenly become in charge of 27 people's family, families, power of attorney, and you have to go and coordinate all of that with the government. That's how long this would have taken. It's a true sign of character that Joseph, with all the facts that he has, doesn't want to embarrass Mary. And maybe that's why he's chosen. When people ask, he'll say nothing more. Well, Mary's a good, wonderful woman, but the marriage is just not going to work out. The right thing to do is just put this all behind us and I'll move on and get a more manageable, safer, predictable wife. Please insert whatever joke you want there. But Mary can go on her way. But Matthew has his cultural dreams of what every Jewish male wants to do, and I'm really not exaggerating what every Jewish male would have done in the first century, and I'm giving them an order. You would have turned 30 so you could leave your house. Though you are to build a house within walking distance of mom and dad. You would have found a good wife that was approved. You would have had a son, and you would have grown a beard. By the way, that's actually true. I have those in order of priority. He wants to do that. And now he doesn't get to. His ideas have been shattered. Here's how Matthew continues the narrative. But after he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay. Now maybe you're like me, and the greatest miracle here is his world has been destroyed, and he somehow gets to sleep. I'm assuming he had some good sleeping medicine, and he gets to sleep. But he wakes up, and he doesn't need an ultrasound. He knows that Mary has a boy. And he's going to go ahead and marry her. But maybe it's just a dream. (laughs) I mean, when he wakes up, how confused would he have been? An angel appeared? Really? I had an angel appear? And Joseph is going to make a decision that's going to change his life forever based on a dream. When all of the cold, hard facts, the CSI investigators have gone in and discovered that a crime has been committed against Joseph, and all the facts are stacked against this, Joseph's going to believe a dream? A dream? Really? Ironically, on one of the reward programs that I do, my phone was running while I was listening, because I have to multitask in the office, it's terrible. My phone was running, watching videos and doing things so that I can pay for vacations. And one of the ads that came up 
was about why we don't remember our dreams. Not only does he not forget this dream, his life changes based on this dream. I don't know about you, but when I have a dream sometimes, I wonder if I had too much pepperoni pizza the night before. Or if I were a carpenter who worked some with wood, but primarily with rocks and stone. Because that's what it meant in that culture, sorry. Um, I hurt my back. I went to the doctor. I got some medicine. The medicine helped my back. Maybe I took too much the night before because I was a little stressed out. Or maybe I was stress eating because I had 27 pints of Ben and Jerry's, whatever. And I had a dream. Why does Joseph believe this dream and change his entire life? We read in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angels of the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she came, she gave birth to the son. And he gave him the name Jesus. It is true that we have so many traditions that we have built up around the Christmas narratives and many things. We have traditions that have even been handed to us that are really, really good, and today's not the day to explain to you why we worship on December 25th, Christmas, and why we moved Epiphany to there, and all these things. And These were done so that worship could occur and it would make sense. None of this should make sense logically. Why does Joseph of all people, follow a dream instead of every single thing his culture tells him to do. Now, just to clarify and be slightly off script for a moment, I will never, ever ask you as your pastor to just believe something religiously because I told you to or because you just should. Some of you have reached the point, as many other churches have reached that I've worked with, where you can say this as I say it. You know, I don't know how that works, but I know there was a guy named Jesus. He lived, and he died, and he rose from the dead, and he had breakfast with the disciples on the beach afterwards. And if somebody can do that, I just do whatever they say. That's not blind faith. That's historical faith, as we'll talk about on Resurrection Sunday morning. People with way too much time on their hands did the entire analysis of how valid the resurrection was of actually happening, and there's a 97% chance it happened just using historical information, not including the biblical text. I'm not asking you to have blind faith. I feel like poor Joseph does. And I'm not sure as your pastor what to tell you to do with that. There's a nice pretty script here I've written out. But doesn't it strike you significant that Joseph behaves so well in those circumstances? I mean, look at the classic painting, and I picked the nicest one. Joseph, as you can see, is looking a little stressed. Every classic painting of Joseph, Joseph looks like you just told him that his dog ran away, and I'm being nice. Everything is awful. He's never seen with a smile. He's never seen in the center of the painting. He's always either off to the side or looking like the world is coming to an end. Because the weight of the world is on poor Joseph. Now Mary didn't choose this, and we spent a lot of time in Christian tradition talking about Mary not choosing this. Joseph didn't either. 
And Mary trusts a dream. You can read about that in Luke. Joseph trusts a dream. Joseph is the model of love making a way when there seems to be no way. And my question as I read the text is to try to take the responsibility to convey to you what it meant originally and why Matthew wrote it this way to these people at this time for this purpose is Matthew wants the Jews to see that God had to wait on Mary, but he also had to wait on Joseph. He needed two people who would be humble and respectful and trusting and listen to God's voice when it spoke, even if they thought they'd had too much pizza the night before. I don't know about you, I'm not good at that. And at the risk of completely throwing the script off and not following the next PowerPoint slide I've given to Leanne, because I'm sure I'm not about to, so just wing it, sorry. Um, What would it take for you to change everything in your life, to give up all the things that society tells you is important? Joseph has done everything exactly the way he was supposed to do it. He went to school. Because he was a guy he got to, sorry ladies. He got to go to school for a long time. And he stayed with his family, probably until he was at least 30. Because that's what you did in that culture. That's why we believe Jesus, Joseph was so much older than Mary. Because it may be true, it may not be. Because you had a responsibility. And he took up the family business. Like you're supposed to. He was a good son. He was a hardworking son. He did exactly what his culture told him to do. All joking aside, he probably grew a really impressive beard because that's what you did in that culture. He was preparing a house, which he moves into later. We can talk about that in two weeks when the wise men show up at the house. He's done all the things you're supposed to do, and he's gotten a really good wife that people respect that's related to one of the priests all of his life ambitions have lined up and they are going to be great and then Mary tells him hey I got a kid coming not yours by the way oh and the Holy Spirit can't even imagine what that conversation was like. And now Joseph has a dream that everything he's ever been taught his entire life is going to change. What would it take for you, or let's just not make this preachy, let's make this, what would it take for me to do that? Now in fairness, I've done that a few times in my life, but... Like carpenters, carpenters are famous for not making rash decisions. You know the phrase, measure twice, cut once? It's not just wing it, it'll be okay. They plan everything out. The long-expected Jesus that Joseph had prayed for was there and Joseph's not ready. Because everything he knows has changed. I 
Once again, I do not believe that Jesus asked us to do this. God's with us. Jesus came so you didn't have to have blind faith. But boy, it sure seems like Joseph does. And maybe there was something in him that knew that something should happen and he knew he was special and maybe those things. But we don't have that from the biblical text. We don't have that from anything. And when I read about Joseph, not that Mary didn't do the same thing, we just have more of the background story and it makes more sense. And sorry, let's be indelicate. She's a woman. It's obvious she's pregnant. She's going to have to deal with that decision whether she doesn't like it or likes it or not. But is Joseph like Noah? Who built a boat because there was going to be rain. I don't have time to cover this, but it's important detail of the Noah narrative. Believe water is going to fall from the sky before water had ever fallen from the sky before. In case you're unaware, most analysis of biblical texts believe the first rain that fell from the sky was the flood. Not only did he believe it was going to rain and flood, he believed there was going to be rain. That's pretty blind faith. Or maybe he was like Peter, James, and John dropping their net. Some scholars believe that was the first time they'd seen Jesus. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Maybe using more cultural relevant references, or at least in my culture. Maybe he's Frodo, throwing the ring around his neck and going to do what no one else will do. Or maybe he's Neo in the Matrix, and he's decided to take the red pill, I hope that's right, I'm off script now, from Morpheus. Or maybe he's like any famous character in a hero event who decides to trust with almost no reason to trust. Jesus didn't come so you had to do that. Jesus came so that you would know that God is with you. What would it take for you to change everything that your culture tells you, which are such awesome things, that you need to do this and you need to do that, and these are all good things, and change all of that because God has something better for you? Would we do it? Would I do it? Not happily. A lot of kicking and screaming. And a lot of this, and like, really? That's what Joseph does. Joseph doesn't get the chance to say, you know, my faith is based in the 97% Jesus resurrection, blah, blah, blah. He gets to go, I had a dream. I guess it was God. Now, in fairness, in their culture, dreams were the way most people believe God spoke to you. But still, Joseph has to believe and give up everything. And I do want to emphasize this because we don't emphasize this enough. In Jewish culture, the firstborn son is the one. He doesn't even get to have a firstborn. Because Jesus was always considered his first, the first son. This may be a reason that James was so bitter. <laughs> his brother the writer of the book of James, the one who does not follow Jesus until after the resurrection. 
this narrative seems impossible. It seems so unlikely. My question for you to actually be quiet for a second, I'm actually going to do it. We preachers don't, but I'm going to do it. What would it take for you to give up the dreams that seem comfortable and culturally established for you to actually do something bigger and greater and scarier in Jesus' name? If you're thinking, oh my goodness, you're not really asking me to do that. No, that's not Matthew's point. His point was this. What you're not willing to do, Joseph did. And you should be eternally grateful that God waited for someone like Mary and someone like Joseph so that God could come in the flesh, so that your gray-haired preacher could stand up here and say, so that Jesus lived and died and rose from the dead for you. Jesus may be the reason for the season, which is a nice phrase, but in actuality, you and I are the reason for the season. Let's pray. Holy God, I feel completely unworthy trying to figure out what Joseph was going through. And I feel completely unworthy because there is no reason for Matthew to have told us this. The only reason for Matthew to tell us this is because it's true. Forgive all of us for all the times that we took the nice, comfortable, safe way and we did the things that our culture tells us we should do. Not that they were wrong. They just weren't best. And even though we don't need blind faith, at some point we need to trust that you loved us so much that you died for us and rose from the dead. Thank you that you did that. Thank you you did that for me and for all of us. I thank you in Jesus' name.